take my wallet. He, uh, test, test, test. I always feel like I have to pay Chris for his introductions. And so humble, man. So humble from a great man, mighty man of valor such as he. Uh, thank you for your overwhelming love. It's an honor to speak to you today. Good, good afternoon, everybody. Um, so I I'm just want to honor... Uh, you like my fit today? It's kind of different, right? I appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all. Um, first service, they were like, hmm. No, nah, I'm just playing. Um, this fit, actually, I, I, I got uh, when I went to Lagos last month for my 40th birthday from uh, uh, Yuba. Kind of gifted us, gifted me, and, um, and I'm just grateful. Yuba is a strong Christian man from the northern part of Nigeria. And I just wanted to honor him because he also, you know, he fled um, his home from, from persecution. And his sister is a martyr. Um, she died for her faith. And so I just wanted to honor their family today. And being this was my first time speaking since my grandmother passed earlier this year. Um, so I just wanted to honor, honor that and and I'm just honored to be before you today, you know, and I just want to appreciate you guys for your prayers, your love for all my family. This is a church that just allows you to give you your space, you know, to heal. Um, it doesn't try to suck you dry. Um, I remember from the beginning, you know, like rest is important. Sabbath is important. So I've always appreciated this has been a space for healing for me in many ways. And so thank you. Um, so let's, 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 let's go. Let's get started. Father, we thank you so very much for who you are. We thank you for your, for your character. We pray, Lord God, that you would have your way today, God. As you know how everybody came through that door, you know what they have went through this week. Hopefully, their worship uh, has helped them to lay down their burdens, God. And we just pray that you would speak to their hearts even the more. Um, Speak to us, God, in our perspective places. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, so we are in a series um, called Marks of the Surrendered Life. And Pastor Christian has been leading us in some powerful sermons um, these last two weeks about um, what does the surrendered life look like? What are those marks? And he, he, he dug into our treasures, right, and what that, what that means to us. And so today, I will be discussing talent. What are the marks of the surrendered life as it pertains to talent? And our, from our perspective, this thing that we call talent has really shaped the landscape, the social landscape as we know it. It has shaped our journeys, it shaped our, our livelihood, our identities in so many different ways that we just have to pause and really think and reflect about that. Um, we, we sort of kind of get our first taste of this talent thing, like when we're on the playground and we're little kids and we got to pick sides, right? Pick your team, right? And, and so many different variables happen at that time, whether you're the one that's picking your team or you're the one that's going to be picked. And what's the one thing that you don't want? You don't want to be last, <laughs> right? You don't want, you don't want people to, to 
Oh, okay, come on, come on. You'll be, you know, you, we, we want the power to pick and we also want to be picked first, right? What does that say about us? We see this perception of talent around, you know, our schools, our pep rallies, honor roll, teacher pets, favorites. Like we see kind of the dynamics of that in our workspaces with the power dynamics and the cliques that form and the hierarchy and all those things. Uh, we see kind of this, this, how, how this component of talent. And I think we really see it in TV, right? Especially reality talent TV shows, right? How many of you watching a, a reality talent TV show right now? Show of hands. You don't got to be shy. You can, you know, raise them high. I'm watching one. We, we started one called Face Off, right? And, and it's, it's uh, so you, you know about it, right? <laughs> It's about these uh, makeup designers, and I don't even care for makeup design, right? It's just the competition, the, the will and the fortitude, the resourcefulness that people have to, to, to aim for their goal, right? And so, but, you know, the reality TV hasn't always, like, I was born in 83, so reality TV kind of became a genre growing up in the 90s. That's when it really started spreading, but now it's, you know, raking in billions of dollars. Statistics says that 77% of households watch reality TV. So that would be more than the hands that raised in here. <laughs> I see you. I see you. You can't hide. All right. Um, but what does this say about us? Why are we driven like this? Um, you know, it's, it's really fascinating, our fixation on talent and how we perceive that for our lives and ourselves. And so if you look at the TV, the magazines and all of this, there's a strong cultural message about talent and it's almost like it has a heaven or hell to put you in. I mean, you look at American Idol, <laughs> Idol, right? It's it's literally an idol, you know, as they say they're not they're not hiding it, right? It's it's become the pinnacle of our society. And so I want to discuss what does God have to say about our talent, our gifts? What does the Bible say to us? It has a lot to say. God has a lot to say. Let's dive in. First Peter 4, 7 through 11. Let's read. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Powerful text. I want to focus in on verse 10, where it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Hmm. 
it seems Peter is pretty clear about what our gifts should be used for. He doesn't leave much deciphering room. You don't need a magnifying glass to see what, what gifts are used for. Let's break it down now. He says, each of you, I like this, each of you, I'll pause right there. Each of you has a gift. He's, he's not saying some of you or, you know, the people that was raised a certain way. He says, each of you has a gift. You know, as a career developer from like 2008 to 2013, I've kind of seen two categories of us as people, usually. I see one category is that people very aware of their talents and their gifts, right? Almost too aware of their <laughs> talents, a little bit inflated, right, um, of what they can do. But I also, and I'm not mad, I'm not hating, you know. In New York, some, you need that swagger, you need that belief sometimes to get over your insecurities, right? We, so I'm not hating on you, all right? Um, but then there's another group of people that they, they would say they don't even have gifts. They're not even aware of their talents and their abilities. And so, but, but Peter is, is telling us, each of you, everybody has a gift. And usually, when I ask some questions, we can find and discover their gifts and their abilities and their talents, and, and they, don't, they don't even think about it. You know, here he says, each of you should use, so you should operate your gift. Now, what is gift? Right? Gift, I would define as the ability that is God-given for his glory and edification of the body. All right? Um, and this gift sort of comes natural to you. If you're not careful, you may not even know that it's a gift because you just, you just do it so easily. You do it so seamlessly. It's a part of your everyday thing. But if you were to take a survey around your group of friends, like not everybody can do that thing. And so this gift, this ability that's God-given, it says you received. So you didn't give it to yourselves. Now, I want to pause here and just, you know, kind of clue you in on like an inner debate of theologians around gifts, right? Some people try to draw a hard line between spiritual gifts and natural gifts. Um, but I believe they're, they're kind of t- together in, in a way. And I, and I say that because, like, if you look at Exodus 35 and 30, Scripture talks about two people um, Bazel, Bazel, Bazel <laughs> I practiced this before, and I'm <laughs> struggling right now. You guys are making me nervous. Here. All right, Bezalel and Aholiab, right? Um, those are two people that were architects, and the Bible says the Lord chose them, and they were filled with the Spirit of God, and God gave them understanding and wisdom to design, to build. To craft. And so, but there's, there's other architects that are not necessarily God, right? But here the scripture says God has given them this gift. So I, I would say that natural talents and spiritual talents, they, they kind of span together because then you have spiritual gifts. Some gifts are specifically like speaking in tongues, prophesying, you know, um, this is the place where those gifts work, right? You do that at work, it probably won't work too well, right? Out loud. 
but to yourself it will, right? But so, but I, but I believe even like music, right? Somebody doing music, God uses that. It, it, God enhances their ability and it makes a spiritual impact on people, right? So God uses these gifts and has designed us with these gifts. And the good news is he says, each of you have these gifts. You have the gift. And, and so what does he say to do with these things? He says, you've received to serve others. We got the gift to serve others, not ourselves. Now, this is anti-cultural. This is not what the cultural message is. From the TV shows that we talked about to the workplace, a lot of times we use our gifts and our talents for survival, right, for pay. We use it for attention. We use it for uh, competition. We use it for different, like, kind of like to build a fortress of our life, (laughs) right? We use our talents for ourselves in different ways, right? And this is part of the, the, the flesh within us. But Peter is saying, not for yourself, but for others, And that's what's extremely important. And then he says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms, as faithful stewards, right? Christian was talking about this. He said, one of the greatest markers of a surrendered life is when we come to realize we are not owners, but we are stewards. You don't own your gift. You didn't give yourself that gift. You didn't go into heaven and say, hey, God, you know. Can you give me this? Right? right? God gave that to you. Now, yes, some gifts need training, honing, practice, and God puts people in our lives to, to, to groom those things within us, but that was in you, even if you didn't know it or not. And so, but that gift was used and wasn't given to you for your own value, for your own conquest, for your own, for your own self. Now, you'll benefit as a byproduct, but the purpose is different. It's interesting. Like, as I did career development, as I counseled people, it's always interesting when I ask, you know, young adults or even older adults, like, what do you think your purpose is? And some people say, well, I don't really know what I'm good at. You see, I didn't ask them what they're good at. Ask them about their purpose, but there's this association between purpose and what their hands can do or what they're good at, what they're talented at, because culture has kind of taught them that, that your purpose and your value is based off of what you can do. What, can you, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> right? But the dynamic is different in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, your talent is not... A t- not um, a measurement of your value. It's a construction tool to build people. And so as beautiful as this passage is, I, I, I want to, oh, let me not forget this last part. It says, in its various forms, this speaks to the beauty, the diversity that God understands all of our gifts are. 
You know, we, we lose sight by looking at other people's gifts. And we belittle our own gifts and talents because of, you know, maybe this person is getting more praise. And some of it is the system's fault and how we structure things. Because certain roles get certain praise and they're front-centered gifts in front of people. And sometimes we want that attention and we, we lose sight of the, the, the precious beauty, beautiful things that God has given us. And, but, but here it says the various forms. So, so I see God understands the diversity between science, art, math, all these things that bring him honor and glory. So don't belittle the thing that God has given you. And as a, as a people, we work on decentralizing those things that are, that are valuable just because they're front-facing. No, the, the back-facing the back things that hold things up are so important as well. And so as beautiful as this passage is and it's clear we don't got to decipher, it's right in your face. This is what your gift is for. I also find what's beautiful and gives it even much more weight is the credibility of the author. Who is talking here? It's written by Peter. First Peter. We don't got to... Peter. <laughs> Right? Peter writes this. Do you know who Peter is? Peter. This guy is like all the experiences. He's one of the beloved disciples. He walked on water. He's seen the transfiguration. He, you know, had the famous confession of, of the Messiah, where Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church. Um, he has seen Jesus feed thousands of people, been given power to go heal. But he's also cut a man's ear off. He also denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. And then he also preached at Pentecost to 3,000 people and saw them come to the Lord and mimicked some of the same miracles uh, that Jesus did, raising somebody from the dead. Her name was Tabitha. Did you know that? Through Jesus' power, he did this. And so Peter has a lot to say to us about gifts and talents. And so I want to I show you a little bit. Let's dive into the Gospels to understand this way even more. Let's go to Luke 5. <clears throat> We're going to just get a good part of the story. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the boats, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down that I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, 
I am a sinful man, for all for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Hmm. Wow. So what do we see here? We see the first thing is Jesus engaging Peter. And where did he engage Peter? He didn't engage him at a temple. He engaged him at his trade, on the water, in the boat, with, with the fish. Jesus engaged Peter where he was at. He met him. And that's a beautiful thing that we have a Savior that meets us where we're at. Now, second point. He's in Peter's wheelhouse. Peter is a fisherman. Jesus and his father's trade, they were carpenters. But Jesus' word made all the difference for that moment. You see, Jesus engaged Peter in his space and had a word to say in his world. Peter, a life of a fisherman, right? Many fishermen, if you know, the, the life is demanding. As Peter, and he's doing this night and day, and he's very skilled, and he's very, phys, very got to be physically fit. They're a bit raw around the edges. They're a little bit gangster, right? Um, <laughs> That's Peter. You know, you see other times where he cursed and things like that. That's, that's a part of Peter's personality, right? And the thing about fishing is you can have all the skill in the world, but it's unpredictable, right? There's so many different variables that you have. I don't know if any fisher got any, fish, any fishermen in the house, any expertise, right? I remember one time when I was younger... My dad had a friend that took me out to fishing, and we got up like 3 in the morning. And I'm like, why? What in the world are we doing getting up 3 in the morning, right? And they were like, we, we got to get up early to catch the fish. <laughs> got to wake up, right? Um, and so there's this whole dynamic and this whole, like, I, I'm, as an artist, I respect people in their craft. I know what it means to, to like, for process and skill and training and all that. And so I try not to tell anybody that's in their craft what they should do in their craft. But here is Jesus telling them, and Simon says, well, we've been working all day, all night. There's nothing here. And he has some resentment. But Jesus' word makes all the difference in the world. And he just happens to be a carpenter and the son of God and the master of all things. So it's a good Good, good note that he listened to him. And when he listened to him, he saw a miracle. He had caught more fish than he had ever caught before. That the boats were, it said boats, plural. <laughs> Not just one boat. But he, they go out with the team because this is, this is commerce. So this wasn't just for him. It was also for the community. And so we usually don't talk about this aspect in this story. But... This catch benefited so many people. 
right? And so Jesus was aware of that. And so what do we learn? We learn our talent, you know, it has, it's insufficient. There is a wall that it will bump up against. But at the Savior's word, it flourishes. So if, if we're ever bumping into walls and the things that we're good at, we might want to ask, am I listening to the Savior's instruction? Jesus maximizes, his presence maximizes Peter's ability to do what he usually does. And then he casts a net on the right side of the boat. (laughs) And so the question is, will we allow Jesus to instruct us in our place of trade? In our space of expertise, in our space where we have degrees and license and We've, you know, we have years behind and we got skin, you know, we, we, we got, what's the saying? I'm drawing a blank here. Skin in the game, right? Will we allow Jesus to instruct us in there and to do what might feel unorthodox? Just a slight adjustment. He didn't tell him, go yonder, do this, do that. He just said on the right side. Jesus' simple instructions lead to miracles. And it's important to follow that. Here's what I also love about it. He said, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. In another version, it says, I will make you fishers of men. You see what happened? Jesus converted his talent, made it transferable to the kingdom. Peter understood what it meant to be a fisher of men because in his industry, he understood what it took to catch fish. And now Jesus is asking him to apply that same energy here and I will empower you. What does it look like if you took that great mind of yours, that great business mind of yours, that great analytical, that great caring, that great social mind, and and you took it more towards the kingdom? You use the same type of rollout strategies if you're uh, a marketer. You use that same type of strategic energy and all that great energy that you use in your trade. Do you use that for the kingdom? It will catch people. So we use our transferable skills in the kingdom for people and not for a throne or status. Let's keep going. There's another part. John 21, verse 3. We'll start there. So much has happened since this one event to now this event. Jesus has lived. He has done miracles. He has seen the people betray him. And he has died and he has risen. And now verse 3 says, I am going out to fish this Peter. Simon Peter told them and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realized that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they they answered. 
He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus made a whole platter for them. This is an amazing story. We, we, we saw this again. This is the second time. Remix. <laughs> this time the, the risen Savior remixed it, right? Full circle. This is where Peter first met Jesus. At his trade. And now... At the end, Jesus meets him there again. And what's interesting is, even though Peter didn't know it was Jesus, he still took heed to the instructions like without the same hesitance as last time. And then when he saw the miracle, he knew it was the Lord, and he immediately jumped out the boat and swam. Some scholars say it was like 100 yards. My man was swimming, right? <laughs> Thinking about a joke. I'm not going to say it, though. But either <laughs> way, he was swimming, all right? Long distance. That's some great, that's a great love. But I think what's very interesting about this, the instruction is followed, met in a trade. But between the first time and this time, there's one difference. I mean, Jesus rose, yes, that's a huge difference. But what also happened was Peter denied Jesus. Three, not once, not twice, but three times. But Jesus still returns to him. You see, Peter's behavior did not dictate the Savior's love. Jesus kept the same energy. And his love was still strong. And they had, if you read further down, they had one of the most powerful interactions. And Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you, Lord. And he said, feed my sheep. And then he asked him again, he said, do you love me, Simon Peter? And he says, yes, again. And he says, Feed my sheep. He asked him a third time, do you love me? And then Peter is like, you know, you, you know that I love you, Lord. Jesus is having a conversation with Peter. His love never changed. His love remained faithful to him. And he was just trying to sure up his love. And he said, this is what love looks like. And I sort of see feed my sheep as go fishing for people. Right? The, good, the, the, the serving of others. Jesus said in Mark, the son of, even the Son of Man did not 
come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so when he asks us to serve, it's not to gain accolades. It's not to make us feel better about ourselves. It's not so we can pat ourselves on the back. He's asking us to serve because he served us. He's loved us. You see, we we don't have these talents to, to, to to, to boost ourselves up. They are just conduits of his love. It is God loves us. And, and he gives us, he wakes us up, we see a beautiful sun in the morning or rain or clouds and we have our abilities. And despite what we may have done, and I know this is, this is very important that we understand Jesus' love remains the same because oftentimes I think when we kind of mess up like Peter, we deny Jesus in our own way in different ways in our spaces I feel like mm, God is not really messing with us. He's not really rocking with us. He's kind of maybe turned his back. Even if we theologically know his love is unconditional, our actions say, I think God loves me less. He's not really with me. But this is a reminder that Jesus doesn't change. His love remains the same to us. Will we love him in return? Will we be in his presence in return, in his grace? Jesus still returns and always returns, and he's always staying faithful to us. Your situation, your mess up, your sin does not take you out of the love of God. And it does not take your talents and your gifts away. Because I know sometimes we work with this, like, we're sabotaged or we're cursed and the, devil want, the devil's gnawing at you. And God wants to know you are free. I'm not mad at you. I love you. I care for you. You are my child. And so... Part of this expression of our love to God is giving to others and serving others what he gives to us. We permeate that, that grace in the morning. We permeate that to our neighbors. And so the question today is, will we surrender our talents to our God? Will we not show favoritism or place talent on an, on an idle platform? Will we see talent as it is as just a tool and not our value, just a tool to God's glory? Will we cast a net on the right side of the boat? What does it look like for you, for me, for us to invite Jesus into our trade? What does that look like for us? What does the net look like to cast on the other side of the boat for us? It's so important to discern what that looks like for you in your space because it's it's different and it's beautiful where you're at. It's not any less. It is best as it is. 
And it's important to see how God uses these things that we have for miracles. And so, I won't pretend to know that this may not, that this is drastic or just an adjustment for you. For some of you, this message may be very drastic for you because God has been working on your heart for a long time. It may look like a career change. I I don't know. For some of you, it may just be an adjustment of maybe you bringing a prayer meeting to your workspace. It may be something you may need to do more on your social social media. I don't know. And whatever it is, you can discern in, in the safety of multitude, God has said there's safety in a multitude of counsel. But the point is, are we driving our lives for ourselves? Are we driving our lives for God and for the love of others? You know, it's interesting. I, I asked my wife, I said, how did you get into counseling? What, like, how'd you choose that? What, what? And it was interesting what she said. You know, she, she, she told me about a story in high school, and uh, she was in the hall, and somebody brought, you know, a guy to her and said, basically asked him, you know, talk to him. Can you talk to him? He's going through something. And then they talked, and she didn't really know what was going on, but they talked, and then at the end of it, he said, you know, it was good to talk to you. And that was the seed that planted in her about counseling and advising. And God made a beautiful path for her to counsel lots of people in this city and across this country. A gift used to serve other people. It does miracles. Uh, One of the sisters in our in our, in our justice team, her name is Juju. Uh, she's worked, yeah, yeah, we can. Uh, she's been to two of our community outreaches, and she does face painting. And I did not know how big face painting was <laughs> until she came. She was the rock star at both of our events, had lines, you know, and these, the, the art that just changed the mood of these kids and made them walk around with, you know, their, their shoulders up higher, changed their walk, made them excited. It was just beautiful. And she also does that for, she partnered with Restore NYC that uh, serves women that have been trafficked or get women out of being trafficked and survivors. And she did a workshop with them and giving them makeup and empowering them, right? I never knew makeup could be that powerful. I talk about this with my wife. Right, but it can it makes a big difference, and under God's hands, under God's leading for others, right? Because one would say, "Oh, makeup is just vanity of vanities," right? But there's different, right? There's there, there's a difference when God uses something. I remember when I was in high school. You know, shout outs to a pastor, Mr. Mike. Um, we would just, I played on the basketball team and stuff, and that's, that was a passion of mine, thought I was going to go to the league and stuff. 
didn't make it, as you can see. Um, <laughs> um, but he said, you and Carl are going to do a basketball ministry. And I'm like, what? Basketball ministry? He was like, yep, just open up the gym, say a prayer when you start, and be on your best behavior when you play. <laughs> don't curse, don't do, you know, just, and you know what? That made such a difference in so many young people's lives because it just created a space of safety for people, of love for people. And it wasn't a super religious thing. I don't know how many kids had a bad day or their parents are arguing and they can come to this space, right? Something small, something natural, but, but spiritually enhanced because it's used to serve others. What does that look like for you in your space? What are you kind of sleeping on? Remember, we're not always aware of our gifts because we just do them. But I want you to change, and when you think about how you can do it for others, because our, our gifts are always channeled when we think about others. They're channeled right. They're channeled in their purpose. Their purpose is not just for your glory. So when you, when you give the purpose to serve others, God moves in so many ways. And I feel like the Spirit is talking because I feel like some of you, you've been so caught up in criticizing yourself, criticizing what you do, and you haven't unleashed the thing that you do. Because all you're thinking about, is this going to be good enough? I want you to think, and God wants you to think about who this is serving. See, it's always different when I get up here and I preach and I think about the people and not necessarily how good this is, how my, my style or perfect or the timing for this and timing for that. Then it's like you, you die a thousand deaths. But when you think about the who, it always makes the difference. God knew what he was doing when he placed his gift in you. And so as the worship team comes forward, I just want us to think about this and meditate and get prayer, get counsel. Be free in your gift because it's not yours. <laughs> but God gave you free reign with it. All right? Don't be like Jonah, all right? Let God have to catch you and pull up on you, <laughs> spin the block, right? Trust, trust him because God is, God knows what he's doing. He is the maker of the world, people. If he gave you something, he, know, he knew what he was doing. And so can we as a people of God just flow in that? Cast the net on the right side of the boat. And the beauty, beauty about this is when you serve, when you do it to serve others, we break down these hierarchies and these, the, the favoritism that we create, you know, the, the titles and all these things that we create around talent to make ourselves feel better. We are already valued. You're not more valuable because you, 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 you use your talent. We use it because God told us to, and that's how we're built. The guitar plays. <laughs> it plays well with the tool of Andrew, right?
but the guitar is not trying to get credit. The guitar is not fighting for glory right now. It's just playing. And God just wants us to just be played. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, God. Forgive us of where we have set up false idols for talent, of where we devalued ourselves, of where we overvalued others. Lord, we just surrender our lives to you and what you have given to us in this gift, O oh God. Help us to see where you're telling us to cast the net on the other side of the boat. Help us to serve others as you came not to be served, but to serve others. You are the king of kings, but you came to serve. Lord, let us, your people, have your same heart. And I pray that all the gifts, all the talents in this room, all in hope be unleashed in freedom and liberty to serve our families, our communities, our nation, our world, oh God, in freedom. We thank you and we love you so very much for who you are and for what you've given us. We will not hide our talent. We will not bury our talent. We will not use our talent for our glory, but for yours alone, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. The prayer team is in the back. We can all stand. God to use.